All right, you ready? Yeah, let's go. Three, two, one. What's up, Steven? Thanks for joining me. Um, hey. It's kind of weird because so I when I when I thought up this format or when I when I thought about doing this, I thought, hey, it should be appropriate to do it with you first because I'm gonna call it uh, yeah, yeah, your average esports podcast colon insight. Basically, it's basically under the whole your average esports podcast umbrella, I guess. Mm -hmm. just a part of it and i thought you know it'd be appropriate to do this with you but then i realized i so i i feel like i know you pretty well but at the same time i really don't you know what i mean oh mm -hmm. because we talk about a lot we talk about esports a lot and i feel like whenever something in esports happens i have a pretty good idea of how you usually react or you know what your thoughts are on a certain topic but i guess i don't really know you that much outside of esports uh yeah i guess that's Fair, fair assessment. Is, is that something that you like? I mean, I mean, just something just... I did. I did deliberately. You mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd probably say so. I mean, here's the thing: there is a lot. It's weird when you're talking about me specifically because um, there is a lot of bleed over. If you're looking at like my written works or whatever, right? Where you can cut, you can you can tell right off the bat like I have pretty strong opinions. Yeah. But I generally always just keep it uh, within the esports space, if you know what I mean. No, for sure. So that's why. So that's why, like, um. That's that's why you you got this. You probably get this weird dissonance where, like, yeah, you technically do know me, but you don't really know me, in a in a sense, like. But uh, I'll clue you in on this. Like, I'm not really that much different outside of it, just in terms of how I look at things, and how my opinions are formed and stuff like that. I, so. I, I figured, I mean, there's, I, I would argue at least that it's a little bit difficult, right, to just change yeah. the way you think about things and the way you argue about things. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm just curious because, you know, um, if, if for anybody that follows your work and even follows you on Twitter and, like, watches your, your stuff, I don't mm -hmm. necessarily think that they find out a lot about your personal life. Obviously, I think, you know, there's bits and pieces that you can find out about you. I mean, you're clearly um, somebody that has also followed sports, basketball at least. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, is it, is it by design to basically not put yourself out there as like a more personal person rather just as an esports person, if that makes any sense? Yeah, I'd probably like, let me see. I feel like you should never give, uh, what's the, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Basically, it just I I think it just feels a lot easier if you're um. All right, I guess this goes more into my theory of like the importance of game IDs is mm -hmm. the way I'd put it, where like every person, as far as I met, has like different personas based off of their um, situation or uh, their environment or whatever. Like you you know like the Japanese saying you have a you have an outward face towards society, right. one towards your family or friends, and then one towards yourself, right? It's something right. similar to that extent where, like, um, I actually think if, like, because um, I thought about it a lot a lot before I ever actually started writing something. And, like, where, like, I just, where you just kind of notice, like, if you look at celebrities, it doesn't matter what, from what realm, like, just in general, celebrities, like, they kind of lose something, right? Because they're always out there. And in general, like the ones that that um, survive are the, I won't necessarily call them dishonest, but like they're generally the ones who kind of are able to um, put like set boundaries between their personal life and their professional life and whatever, right? right? So I just thought, well, well, if I'm looking at like all these different examples, it just seems psychologically healthier to do it that way. What like, but like in general, like. I'd, I actually don't really care that much. It's just, it doesn't, I just don't think it should be like, I just don't think my uh, personal life should be a interesting topic in general. I mean, it's not like I'm that big or anything. So yeah. Fair point. Um, although I do think that, you know, you have quite the, I mean, you say you're not big, but I feel like whenever you write something big, which, mm -hmm. you know, Let's say if, I remember I very vividly remember your your Kerrigan um, feature um, about like a year ago or a year and a half. Yeah, 
um mm-hmm. you know those kind of pieces they reach far like kerrigan himself will retweet it or quote retweet it even because you know the, the pros really appreciate your stuff so i wouldn't necessarily say that you're not big but i i can see where you're coming from um yeah. especially since you i mean I, I, that's at least my impression you'd like to keep like a little bit low profile even even when you are out there like you do put your content out there but you know mm-hmm. you're not going to go like balls or I'm just going to put it that way, balls to the walls, like, you know, Thorne and Richard uh, yeah. don't necessarily with their opinions. But like even even with them, like, um, actually, I don't know about Richard so much, but certainly with Thorne, like, he doesn't, he, like, he doesn't actually describe his personal life either. You know what I mean? Right, right. But, like, that's kind of how I see it. And that's something that I have always found um, pretty interesting because um, in this esports realm especially, it does feel like a lot of people do put up like a different persona on on online intentionally because it makes sense for streamers because let's face it if you want to make money in the streaming world you do have to find like that niche where you can fit in and if you have to tweak your personality i mean that's just what i have to do but um even you know even in the like the whole like i mean now that we talk about thorn as far as i know i mean the way i've gotten to know him granted it's only been very limited interactions with him but um, his Twitter persona is something completely different than what he is in private and that's at least what I've also heard from other people so um, I, I don't know have you ever considered putting like a different persona out there um, when you when you, I guess when you got started out in this whole like uh, esports thing yeah like um, this is like a random topic because you know like even though I do follow the NBA it was actually I followed esports and then what happened was like I followed the NBA after that because oh, I, really? I, I got more into competition that way. Right. And then uh, there's this funny, I guess we'll segue a little bit into something that's not in esports, but sure. basically there was this funny name that kept popping up and like everybody kept comparing Thorne to like Skip Bayless, right? And I don't know who he, if you know who he is. I but really basically, don't. He's basically just like a very loud commentator on sports in uh, and sports in America or whatever, right? Right. And basically um, what I kind of, Basically, when I looked at, because I because kind of curious, like, like uh, I I didn't know who he was, but I re- kind of realized something funny about what Skip did, because like, I started watching him, because uh, like his name kept popping up, but I just kind of realized his like even though everybody thinks he's a troll and he's really bad or whatever, his marketing is like top notch, right? And the reason I think his marketing is top notch is because like he puts he puts a persona on for. Um, his shows or whatever and like they're the most extreme extreme versions of him but like the thing i think um most people don't realize is like even though the persona is different from you it's still you and i what i mean by that is like there is um you have to inherently have some aspect of you that is kind of like that but it's just exaggerated when right. you go on to like the main right main thing like um like i'll go ahead and say like i don't think thorn is I don't think there's any way like Thorne is the type of guy who's just like chilling there in normal life and then just like starts starts uh, talking shit all the all the time, right? That's true. But that's but but um, I I bet he is the type of guy who be like, who would who would like talk that kind of banner in 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 like a fun conversational way, but then he just takes that and then he exaggerates it for a show to make it more entertaining. So like right. it's uh, like uh, the um. Just what the way I think about the entire thing is like, even the persona is simultaneously you and not you. Like, like I guess that's how I put it. Like, it's just an exaggerated version of you. And like, the reason I don't do that is because I don't know if I can. I don't think there's like a specific trait in my personality where like I can exaggerate it to that kind of point. Right. Like, and then if you if you don't necessarily have it, you either you can either fake it or you can like learn to grow into it, I guess. But like, I, I've personally never found like a, a very real reason to go with that down that route. That's how I'd put it. That's a fair point. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, the, 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 um, I, I agree with you though, that, you know, whatever personality you, or persona you put out there, it kind of has to be part of you. Like, I feel like it's so difficult to fake something for so long mm-hmm. because even if you do fake something for so long, at some point it is going to be part of you. Like, even if at first it wasn't, if you fake it for so long and live it, you know, if as a streamer, for example, and I, personally from from people that, that that are streamers or from friends that are streamers and or from friends whose friends are streamers, I do notice that 
those people, even if they do put up a front, at some point it's going to be part of their personality and it's something that they take into their personal life too because there's, it's difficult to separate two different personalities that way. Yeah, it's like, um, I don't know if you remember this, but basically that one time Summit 1G went to play at a tournament and in the defuse, right? Uh, he burns alive because he right. himself. The 1G, yeah. And the reason he straight up dies is because he was looking down towards Twitch chat. Oh, was he? Yeah, but Twitch chat didn't, didn't exist. He forgot. Right. Like it was just like subconscious or some shit. Or actually, oh. I don't know. That's that's my joke in my head. That's how I explain it. But he he did look down to the left for some reason that nobody knows why. So I just assume it was Twitch chat. But yeah, like it's just like I don't I don't know. Like um, he, the, the whole thing about streaming and it's I, i'm actually i actually find it a little bit surprising but i guess i shouldn't in retrospect but like i find it a little bit surprising people want to become streamers so badly because i think like it's i don't uh let me think what's the exact um basically like I don't know if you ever like read Nietzsche, but basically he has this like funny quote that I kind of like remember, where it's basically like everybody looks for um, rank among people they despise or some shit. Yeah, and that's kind true. of how I that's kind of how I view like streaming. Like I I've never actually met a streamer who legitimately told me like Yeah, man, I love I love all my I love all my fans. I love all, all Twitch chat and all that shit. Like, no, you love like a part of it, but like the overwhelming part of it is pretty bad in general. But you still want their like approval and their praise and stuff. I just, I don't know. I just think like psychologically, it's not like a great job in general. I, it's. I just had that conversation the other day with somebody. Uh, it it can't be. It can't be a great job really long term either. Like, realistically, how can you live a healthy life if you spend so much in front of you know entertaining like day in day out? You entertain strangers on the internet, mm-hmm. and then how are you supposed to maintain like a healthy life balance outside of that? Um, it's it's hard as is for pro gamers who don't even have to um, cater to necessarily an audience because effectively they just have to perform, right? But even yeah. for them, like if they go home and they can't live a healthy life, so how's that supposed to work for every for any for someone that has to spend ten hours a day in his office just trying to entertain random people on the internet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just. Um... I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's a weird job. Like I don't like I wouldn't recommend anybody do it. So it's like it's, here. It, I guess I put it like this. it's like it's like it's like one of those jobs where like nobody really understands the impact, the psychological impact of it until after until years later. It's kind of like social media. Like nobody really understands like how it fucks up with fucks up your mind and shit. So yeah. And it, and it feels like we are currently the generation that gets to sort of like be guinea pigs uh, of this whole thing. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure like a hundred years down the line, people in school will learn about all these negative effects in like maybe psychology or biology classes, even where it's like, yo, yeah. if you, if you subject yourself to these certain areas of like social media and like online presence, like, you know, for a long period of time, you become dumber. Yeah. Or, more entrenched in your ideas. doesn't even have to be dumber. It's just that you might just like lose certain, um, certain values, or just you lose, you lose a certain, uh, you lose a certain level of openness, and then you lose like, and then you increase tribalism. Is how I'd say, it generally goes down. And like, there's there's also a weird like, cognitive dissonance that everybody has. Like, you know what, you know what's annoying, you know what's the most annoying thing to me, what is like, um, is like, you'll you'll see this in every esports every esports feed, right? Uh, of every esports person ever basically and i agree with them basically like in general the the press the like the mainstream press has generally been shit to video games yeah. and esports right you know for decades now like so, uh, what was it calling us killers and killer like, games um social outcasts uh, social outcasts like psychopaths etc cetera, etc cetera, right yeah. and anybody who's actually been in that community and obviously we're like a niche within the niche of that community, right? And he's actually even like participating in that kind of realizes it's all bunk. It's all just bullshit, right? Right. But like what the the thing that bugs me is like all of these people kind of realize that it's all bunk and bullshit, but the moment we they, the press goes towards a different topic, they kind of just 
give them a free pass as if like, oh, maybe they're correct about this or they just assume they're correct about this. And I always thought that was like kind of like dumb. Like if they were willing, to, if they're willing to like bullshit about something they don't truly care about at all, like video games, then they'd obviously bullshit about something they actually have like, they actually have like an actual agenda towards or something they care about, right? Like that's just how humanity kind of works. So I was like, uh, I get, I, I, there's like, there's like a weird sort of disconnect I see that kind of increases in like that, that, that like nobody kind of sees in this generation. I'm not sure. No, I, um, hundred percent get you. Uh, it's something that it almost feels like as, as long as, as long as they report or say something that almost reinforces your own ideas, it's like, yeah, sure. Well, I guess this, this has to be right. I mean, you know, I've always thought this way, but um, from the same outlet, as soon as it's against you, it has to be like, oh, well, you guys are actually trash. But once, like, like, yeah, I totally see that every day. Um, and I just, it's kind of weird. And I think it's part of the fact that we are so, like, overwhelmed with um, information every day mm -hmm. that it becomes almost, I mean, this is a really huge topic, right? I, they, but ultimately, it people don't even filter the information or, like, really think about the information that they consume. And they just mm -hmm. take it at face value. I mean, this starts with not reading, not even reading past the headline, but then also just not even questioning the headline or mm -hmm. just the content in general. Um, but I mean, you as a you as a writer, surely this is something that you experience every day. Um, oh yeah, but like I don't I don't actually care because <laughs> it's not because it, it's not like I'm necessarily interacting with a bunch of readers or whatever, right? So. Do people, I, I'm curious about that though. Do, you know, I mean, you do have, a, I, I would say you do have like a solid fan base of people that consume your content. Um, do yeah, they ever reach out? Do they ever, well, I would say more than that. I, maybe you don't have like the most dedicated ones, but you know, again, when you do put out something, I'm pretty sure a lot of people, they know your name. And like, I, when I read your stuff and like I go to the Reddit comments, a lot of people will be like, oh yeah, it's a cool sushi piece again. So. Yeah, um, do do they ever like try to reach out to you and like try to interact with you or try to like maybe gauge your opinion or thoughts on certain topics? Some of them do. Um, in gen in general, because like I follow like the Rotterdam rule. I don't know if you know who Rotterdam is like the StarCraft two caster. StarCraft, yeah. But basically, at some point in like 2011 or 2012, we kind of came up with this rule, where it's like, um, the moment you hit 4,000 spectators on Twitch. Twitch chat becomes complete shit, right? And basically, I follow the same rule. Where it's like I'm willing to interact with anybody until, until a certain point where the fan base becomes complete shit. But it hasn't become complete shit yet in my case, so it's been fine so far. And or if they if they if it has been bad, I can just ignore them. It's not like it's overwhelming. Like right. that's kind of like the the there's I haven't hit that point yet. So that's kind of no how I know I haven't made it big is because. The fan base isn't so overwhelming. I need to shut everything down. Have Have you had any haters though already? That just like... uh, probably. I don't really know. Like sometimes, sometimes I'll just mute somebody if like, like the argument they're saying is so bad that right. like it just kind of hurts my brain. No, I get that. I get that. You but know, like um, yeah. Go ahead. So, you know when I noticed that those the most, and I, like I, this is not even a, actually this is sort of a commentary in him, but. Whenever I tweet or write or produce any content that's related to EE, um, that's oh, yeah. when I get the most sort of like, and I, I, I think Richard calls it brain gymnastics kind of arguments where, mm -hmm. they, where they bend over backwards to try to make a point that's so out of, like, that's so dumb, but they like find like a conv convoluted way to, to make it sound somewhat realistic in their head at least, or reasonable mm -hmm. in their heads. Um, yeah, those people I try to try to because again, like like I try, so for, for me personally, I try to somewhat engage with my followers, um, like the two or three that do actually try to engage with me, um, just because I just I don't know, I'm always like a community. I've always been like a community person. I like I just like engaging, but those people once you engage with them, they just drag you down into the pit of like craziness. Yeah, like um, in like in general, in general, if I actually met ever met somebody in real life, I'd probably be fine with that. Because I I feel like in general, um, the interactions in real life are just better. Because there's like a certain there's a certain level of expectation, and social and social niceties that kind of go out the window when you go on the internet. Uh, speaking of real life, you were at how many events have you been to? I can probably count them on my hand. Let me yeah. see. 
I know that you went to TIA last year. Yeah, I went to TI last year. I know you I went, went to, to the ESL Oak, Oak. I went to an ESL Oakland once. Oakland, yeah. Um, did, I did went people, to. Did anybody recognize you at the, uh, at that event? No, actually, only some somebody recognized me at post event. And what I mean by that is like, I like basically they know they they recognize the like, I wrote some kind of weird first person thing. I was trying to experiment with the writing. Right. And somebody recognized me. Oh yeah, I, I remember him. He was the guy who's like walking around with a book or whatever. Oh, cool. Um. Went to Oakland. Went to uh, IPL, which is like like one of the team leagues. Like it's like it was a very small venue. It was like 20, 30 people, I think, or actually it might have been fifty to hundred, something like that. I can't really count people. Um, and I think I also went to San Jose once as a spectator. It was like a StarCraft. It was a StarCraft right. tournament. Right. I think those are the four. Has it has it ever urged you to go to more events? uh no but here's the thing like in general like the um, like the whole point of going to a i think like um because i'm like more of a what's the word i'm looking for i'm more introverted i guess is one way to put it and right. what i mean by that is like if like if i'm just going alone i don't really see a point in going to an event right i i would i'd probably go if like if I knew some friends were going or something like that, because I, th I think it's way more fun going with friends to an event no, sure. than it's going by yourself. Because I think like if I'm going by myself, then I think like the height of enjoyment for me is um, watching the game and like thinking about the game. And I'll be honest, it's actually like 10 times easier doing that at home on your computer than it is at the event. And it's more efficient, too, because you can watch replays. You have access to clips and all that stuff. So if you. Yeah. And if like the. And if you can find one of those YouTube streams for a particular match, you can always Ooh. just rewind it, so it's yeah. way better. Um, no, I'm, I'm just asking because, I mean, you went to TI, and I, I thought personally um, that event has really... Um, TI was fucking crazy, yeah. That event, I think, has really helped your Dota work a lot. Um, I mean, you you, talk, you had the chance to talk to Seb and to Heen, two of the greatest minds in dota right now so naturally mm -hmm. i think you know talking to people like them um will we'll, again will naturally elevate your understanding of the game and like the meta and like the the, the scene and like how everything works so i'm mm -hmm. just curious like has it ever like has that particular incident or has that particular event maybe piqued your interest in like at least you know talking to like pros more on on that level hmm like a little bit i guess but i I've always felt like there was a danger in that. And what I mean by that is like, hmm, not gonna call them out by name, but there have been certain like journalists I thought were, that I thought had a good understanding of their like respective games. But at some point they kind of just gave it up and they started, and then they kind of just like, uh, gave, gave up thinking about the game and just like went with the, went, went with whatever the pro said, you know? And I just thought that was kind of like a lame way to go out. I, just in terms of like analyzing the game no i get that and i think this is i mean that's, that's a danger that a lot of casters in, in dota also fall into and i think the dota audience in general again this is a different topic but um like the whole a pro will always know better or the whole like pro always has the best insight i mean mm -hmm. yeah their perspective is really interesting but a lot of i mean there's a reason why not every pro is on the same level because they are fundamentally disagreeing about a game about yeah. the game right and and you can and this is why if anything I like it when pros interact with each other on stream. It's not just one pro, but like two or three. That's why I like the BTS events mm -hmm. because then you can actually see arguments happening between the pros, or well, not arguments, but discussions where they're like, "I think you should have done this," and then they will call each other out and be like, "No, I'm pretty sure this was the right decision." And the fact that they're disagreeing shows you how difficult the game is. And then also, I've and at least it validates me as a, as a spectator, but also as a critic or as a as a writer. Um, the fact that you know um, these pros can't even get on one page. So how is how is how, there can never be a one true answer, right? Because if 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 the point one percent of this game can't even agree on what's the best move, I mean, then surely there has to has to be multiple answers. Yeah, like, and I'll, and it also depends on who you're talking to in general. Because like, I think. I, I, it's not, this isn't a diss on the general Dota Pro, but I'm gonna go ahead and guess most of them don't have the level of insight I got from like Heen or from Seb, right? Like, cause I actually, um, I also, like, I, I actually, um, 
it was like an off topic, but I thought Crit actually had some pretty good answers too when I interviewed him. I felt I felt like Cuckoo might have had better ones, except he was like kind of um, there was kind of like a language barrier there, yeah. so I don't think I got the best things out of him. But like in general, like um, it's not so much being a pro that's interesting. It's more like who who exactly what exactly your ideas are about the game that were interesting to me, right? And I think that's um, and that's generally the most important part. But like what's good about at least CS is um. In general, like a bunch of the, bunch of the interviewers, like HLTV being the prominent ones, but like um, some of the other like freelancers, like Max Millet or Sam Delorme, or whatever, they actually have pretty good interviews in general with the pros that go into the stuff I want to know anyway. So I've never felt like, oh, I have to do this because it's the only way I can get to it. Right. Right. Like uh, Thorne does a bunch of them too. For uh, he, he's even I think he's even done really good Dota ones. Oh, I agree. Um, his right. So, so like. Yeah. Yeah, so in, gen- so in general, like, I've never felt, like, I've never felt an urge, like, I have to do this because this is literally the only way I'm going to get to this information. So, there's another aspect of to it, to it, I guess. But would you consider doing it if you thought that there was no other way to get to that information? Um, probably. So, yeah, like, if, if, like, I was, like, the only guy around who was interested in that, then I'd probably have to go do it myself. But luckily, I'm not, so I'm not in that world. <laughs> well, I will say, though, that in Dota, I feel like the... the oh, in Dota, there's nobody like that. I, I was about to say, up. Dota, there's just nobody, so... Like, like, um, like it's kind of weird. Like, for years now, like, it feels like the most interesting interviews I saw were actually Thorns interviews. Thorns, yeah. Right? Outside of that, like, nobody really goes that in-depth. Like, the only other guy that would give you good interviews is, like, Eternal Envy. But that's because Eternal Envy can't, like... He can't... Like, there's something weird about him where he can't, like, not tell his version of whatever the truth is. I think, in general, the best interviews have usually been when the player themselves wanted to give their side of the story rather than somebody, like, asking the right questions. It was usually just a player giving the right answers. Yeah, um, like... Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, th- th- this is this is part of the reason why I was asking because, you know, I think uh, it'd be cool to have somebody like you uh, poke around a little well, bit more. Well, just drag uh, out that answer some yeah. Dota players. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but I guess it's a little bit difficult considering you you live it on the West Coast, I think. Yeah, like I, and like, and I think no every Dota every Dota, most of the Dota lands are should and I think will from now from now moving forward should be in Europe and China. Like I actually think, um, I feel like Ti kind of fucked up. Like this is off topic. I feel like Ti kind of fucked up by sticking to Seattle for so long. This is my. I Maybe. think it. I think it could have been a much grander event. Like the prize pool is cool and all, but the event never felt that spectacular in comparison to, say, Worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, or, yeah, I think Worlds is actually pretty, pretty much the biggest comparison. You could, you could argue, you could arguably compare it also to maybe ESL One Cologne because ESL One Cologne to me has always been one of the bigger events. ESL One Cologne is very similar, but it's like it's different. Um, like no, like the reason I think it's just better for uh, TI to go. Europe or China's because I feel like that's where its main audience is. For sure. That's all. Yeah, right? for sure. Um, I I mean, yeah, they sold out every year at TI, but that's because all the pe- all those people made that trip for the TI, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I I will say the Canadian trip was pretty pretty good, so I had no complaints there. I'm so jealous. I love Vancouver as a city, so. That's a great city. I would have loved to make that trip. Was it first time in Vancouver? Yeah, it was real, real nice, real convenient, like sh- shockingly convenient. Like, like the first thing everybody told me is like, "Oh fuck, they don't have that fucking Uber. How am I, how am I ever gonna do anything?" But it turns out you don't need, you don't need it for anything. So it's like good public transportation. Yeah, like really good. Vancouver. All right, this mm-hmm. is actually something that uh, very off topic, but I moved here to Texas about half a year ago. Yeah. And there's no public transportation here. What's up with that? Yeah. Like, um, God damn America, really. So, basic, basically, at some point, um, in in the government, I feel like it might have been the 1930s, might have been the 1940s, maybe even a few decades after that. Uh, at some point, uh, a lobby, like there were basically like two, two kind of lobbies. One of them was for public transportation, and then the other one was against it. And the people that were against it had more money because they represented the automotive interests, right? And they came to the conclusion that um, 
like they did a bunch of very, very like funny sort of gimmicky. Like, I won't call it gimmicky, but like very, very like they they basically blitz the advertising thing, where like they kind of, um, you know, they do that thing where like they did they did the thing that people did did with diamonds or like oh this like diamonds became like the symbolism of love. Right. But in America, like the cars became the symbolism of like independence, wealth, status, etc. True. And so by doing that, they did that, and then they lobbied like oh because the car is such an integral part of American society, we should take that money we were going to put into public transportation and put it into roads and highways and whatever. And technically America does have a really good highway system, or whatever, but like in general, that's kind of how it went down. And since then public transportation has been downhill ever since with a few notable exceptions, but even like the notable exceptions, like New York, or whatever, like they don't stand up to like Asian countries or European countries. I was about to say, yeah, I know that New York is famous for its subways or its subways. It's system. not that. It's, it's not that good. But compared it's not to, great, um, right? It's it's actually I I just call it like average, like um, I everywhere outside of outside of that, like every America is basically an F in public transportation. But you go to like Taiwan, you go to like Asia, Hong Kong, you go to uh, the few times I've been to Europe, like tra- public transportation is like. B to an A, it's like way better over there. Asians have perfected public transportation. I've been to yeah. Tokyo, and their public transportation it is on time. It is on time. You can you can count it by the second to make sure you can you can you can basically blindfold yourself and just count in your head when you can enter the the the, the public train or whatever. That's yeah. how accurate it is. There, it's really really good. Like. I'm not surprised at all. Like, no, I'm not surprised at all if nobody, if like somebody lived their entire life in Japan without ever like picking up, learning how to drive. Like, it doesn't matter. It's such a, it's such a non-important skill to have over there, yeah. as like it's a requirement over here. Yeah, I um, I actually forgot my driver's license in Germany. I would have had to get a new one here anyway if I wanted to drive. Apparently, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I currently Ubering everywhere because. Uh, yeah, there's no yes. public transportation. Yep, that's how it goes. Sucks, man. Um, but yeah, I guess the Vancouver at least had public transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, Shanghai, where next year is, is also dope public transportation. Um, mm-hmm. Any plans to go to Shanghai for TI? Nah, man, I don't want to go to China all the way to watch uh, TI. Seems like, like, because here's the thing: is like I'm not even I'm not. Like I'm, nobody's gonna pay for it, pay for it this time. Like I got paid True. to go to um, Canada. Like there's no way. Like even though I'm writing full time, kind of for Upcomer, I'm gonna go ahead and guess there's no way they're gonna pay for any of that stuff if I actually if I actually did, went. So I don't think there's a point in me going. All right, since since we're at that topic already, um, want to talk VP about VP, VP game VP esports whatever it's called. What was it called? VP esports, right? VP game is the yeah, official VP. betting site. Yeah. VP game was what it was originally called before it became VP esports. Right. So and still VP game still exists, but like you know. What the hell happened there? They hired everybody, literally everybody, and then they let everybody go after like about six months. Or yeah, basically. Basically, um, I actually don't really understand. I don't to this day really understand what their plan was. And what I mean by that is like, um, I'm. Like when I um, when I talked to them, it sounded like they had a lot of money and they had a lot of ambition. They're like, "Oh, we're going to be the ESPN of esports." But like in my mind, I was thinking, the ESPN of esports isn't even the ESPN of esports. I was about to say, yeah. So that's very so ambitious. like right, and so like they wanted they wanted to be this huge site and do all this, you know, all this shit or whatever. But like um, I just think, like if I if I had a guess, um. Because it's not like I was inv- involved that much in like the day to day like um, staff stuff. The way I the way I I think what happened was like they tried to they were, they were pumping in a bunch of money into all this content and it didn't pay off. Because I don't think esports journalism pays off. Like there were months where it was very good and the months obviously being in and around TI. Like I think like I think the Seb article, the Seb interview I did was like fucking massive, but like. That one was just that. That one just happened to be luck, to be honest. Did Did they ever 
give you like your st- the stats on your v- viewership for every article? Were you able to uh, see that, or did they? Did you have to inquire about it? I don't actually care, but I did. At some point, they started publishing like uh, article views to try to like show people what people were interested in or whatever. Right. And I think the seven one was like one hundred fifty thousand or something. That's solid. Right. It's not bad, but like that one was just pure luck in terms of timing, in multiple ways. Because um, like for like when I went when I was going to TI, I didn't really understand what journalists were going there, so I. Like when I I personally assumed, obviously wrongly, um, in retrospect, I assumed that surely some surely um, they'd all realize Seb was like, like if I if I was like had a if I had a power rank the uh, people you had to interview at TI, I uh, at TI I think this is like this is how you should have should have done it. No tail, fly, PBD, Seb in that order mm, i probably would have put seb even ahead of ppd but yeah like like no the reason like i put ppd ahead of seb is just basically because i don't i didn't know if seb was actually a good interviewer at oh the time. all right because ppd will 100 percent give you a good interview no matter what, how bad true. the question is that's true Right, and then the reason No Tail and Fly were ahead of the PBD drama. was because they were at the very, very ne- nexus of the drama. Right, right. But like, um, what happened was like nobody was fighting me over getting the Seb interview, except for another guy from VP Esports randomly. But even he was like, oh, "I'll just let you go do it." And like, we had very different ideas of how an interview should go because like his were like ten to twenty minutes, and I sat down with Seb for like I won't, actually I stood up with Seb for like an hour and twenty minutes or something. So it's funny that you mentioned that because in my experience, Seb has always like I guess we never talked about that, but Seb has always been one of my favorite interview people, um, interviewees mm-hmm. because he does give great answers, and he likes he likes to talk about if you if you give him an inch, he'll give you a mile and then some if like if that inch if, if it's a good inch right if it's like yeah if if you if you if you hint at basically asking some really insightful questions he'll he'll bite and he'll just uh, take it he'll from call. there. Yeah, they'll go all the way, right? Like, um, so in that sense, I I've always enjoyed it, and I'm, that makes me actually surprised that not a lot of people were lining up for him. But it could be one of those things where, like, everybody understood they had to get PPD, but like, I was shocked how many people didn't realize they had to get Seb. Yeah, especially since to me it was obvious that nobody was gonna get No Tail anyway in terms of interviews. Fly probably was gonna do interviews, but probably not. No, gonna... like I think Fly even said straight up he was gonna talk about it after Ti. All right, well, yeah. Right, not 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 at the press conference but like an interview before leading up to it so right. it's like and i and in general i think um dota the leaders have the best answers yep because they think about the game the most um and they think, yeah they think about it in ways like no normal people wouldn't think about it like yeah. if i ever asked somebody like do you think instinct is the is the ultimate answer to dota like i, I don't think i don't think a regular dota 2 player would know Whereas, like, I talked to Seb, he's like, yeah, I think it is. But then he'd break down, like, what exactly we think Instinct is on, like, a fundamental level or some right. shit. Um, my, and this is funny. I think you can tell, like, if you if you, if you you ever got the chance to interview every pro player at TI, I, like, let's just imagine you were able to interview all... Uh... Actually, I had interview questions prepared for all of them. Oh, that's, that's dope. But yeah, let, let's just imagine you get to interview all sixteen teams, all five players of every of all sixteen teams. I think just based on the interview, you could have a pretty good grasp of who of how the team dynamic is in terms of like shot calling and just in general um, team dynamic. Because I think mm-hmm. the most the the like the people with the best leadership qualities are also the ones that generally give you the best answers and generally also um, are more engaged in talking because that's yeah. that's just a natural persona, right? Whereas mm-hmm. a lot of the carriers, especially from my from my experience, with the exception of Artesian EE, but I think this is pretty obvious. Uh, a lot of the carriers will actually just give you like one word answers, just like huh, like, grunting and things. So you just like uh huh, yes. Yeah. Like I, I, I'd have to look what questions you were giving them or whatever. But like I feel like you have to hit you have to hit these people like very in very weird ways, like yes. not normal ways. No, for sure. Like. Like I'd have to, I'd have to, I'd have to, I'd have to like deliberate. I'd have to like, go, like basically, if I had, if I was doing one towards like, one of those types, I'd probably just take them down like the, 
the Kyle route, just like going to item builds and shit and see what they what comes out of it. And no, and definitely this is they are more passionate about like the more and they they were more um, passionate about the minutia like yeah. than the, because they don't really understand the other stuff the like the macro stuff that yeah. the leaders do, which is fine because that's ultimately how the game works you know you have like yeah you're gonna have that balance that's totally fine because as long as they focus on their shit like that's perfect that's what you want actually you don't want your character mm -hmm. to have to worry about uh the, the macro shit yeah like it like i think you're a bad i think you're probably a bad leader if your superstar carry is that kind of it is that involved in it like like it, he should know where his play he should generally know how the game works and how the team play works and stuff but like he shouldn't be responsible for having to know the entire like game plan the the entire like fundamental structure that's of the team. that said i do think that it is important for a carry to also then make the calls later in the game because ultimately that's when the game revolves around the carry right? yeah that's that's when they understand that's when yeah. they should understand the game the best actually i think this is something like nobody realized back when eternal enemy a good leader it was like the reason he was getting away with that bullshit is because he actually he actually hit on like a core principle that nobody understood back then was like the lead, the leader should be the leader is like, I mean the guy who's making the calls at the end should be the carry because yeah. he has the most power in the game. And I think this is why a lot of people value Arteezy so highly in terms of carrying potential. That's why for the longest time people have held him in high regards, even though he wasn't necessarily at the top. Right now, I actually think he's he might just be one of the best. I, I think he's basically almost as good or potentially better than he once was yeah. at his prime. I, I agree, but you yeah, know, yeah. Um, he, he was always regarded highly because and in addition to just mechanical skill he was also a really good shot caller um, in the late game yeah it wouldn't surprise me he he actually did come from the EE school of thought EE school of thought you know it's it's funny EE it's, it's, it's almost sad actually the fact that he's what he's sort of, become what he's become because he's such a good story like he just gives you a really good story just like as a, as a, as a spectator but also even uh, like the more you, the more you involve yourself with him, the, the the greater the story becomes almost. Yeah, he 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 obviously doesn't do it on purpose, but like, yeah, he's just, like um, I'll, I'll I'll put I'll say this. I think EE is in like that weird category of very interesting, sort of um, like Greek hero archetypes. Like you sometimes see in esports where like there's this player, he's brilliant. But there's something fundament there's like some fundamental flaw that he can't fix about himself, right? And I think Eternal Envy is one of those players. Like other players I can think of are like Naniwa, even Stefano to a to a certain extent. Idra, oh, sure. like yeah. all these guys have like fun fundamental flaws that they couldn't fix. Like Stefano, for all his brilliance, didn't have didn't have the rigor to like he didn't he didn't have like the discipline to truly become the greatest ever. Well, didn't he also have the problem with like underage girls yeah that too well, but um i was more talking about the competition <laughs> right thing. right right no but uh, like but i guess i guess that, te that technically part is part of it because like he was way more into like the rock star life than he was into right. the starcraft life and that's actually something that i sort of miss about esports like the whole like the real i don't want to call them real personalities because i don't want to like deny everybody anybody that's like not that person that they don't have a personality but you know like the whole almost edginess in a way because you for example, be more raw back then exactly like at epl for example this weekend like we we saw a little bit more of that right like how the way team liquid was uh, always shouting like sit oh, down that's just Stewie 2k in general well Stewie 2k yeah. and twists um yeah, then kerrigan also just... giving back a little bit but like yeah but those guys have always been like that more that's true. like like no i understand what you mean though it's like um like because there's more to lose, people people are just defaulting to like the bland sort of personality. Yeah, it's a little bit unfortunate because there's so much money on the line, and which is weird though because if you look at traditional sports, there's so much money on the line too. But they know that their brand is so valuable, like their players and their own brand, that they can do that without fear of losing any money of it. Really, like, like I'll say this in CS:GO at least, it's generally fine to do that. Because uh, nobody cares as much. That's true. Like it's not as, it's not as painful. Like the reason people don't do it in CS:GO is because nobody has the guts. And what I mean by that is like, um, there's this like there's this quote. I don't know who who fucking said it, but basically like, like if you if you go ahead if if you're talking shit, you're basically just um, putting 
you're, you're putting pressure on yourself because you're basically saying, I not only am I going to do this like incredible thing, I'm also going to talk shit and prove it later. Like basically, right? Like, and nobody actually has the guts to, not, I won't say nobody, but like most people don't have the guts to like talk shit and then like take the hit when, if it fails, right? Mm. That's kind of, that's kind of how it goes in CS at least, or like most people aren't, aren't incapable of doing that. Kyle used to. Unfortunately, he also has come to the conclusion that, um, yeah, yeah, like most people, most people just don't, just most people just can't handle it. Like I think, I think uh, CS Go and Dota Two, you you probably get away with it the most, and in Dota Two, like I think the only guy who does it is honestly PPD, right? Like yeah, he's he's the only sure. one who's got the guts to do that, but like nobody else really has the guts to do that. Um, but like in in games like League of Legends, Overwatch, um you're not going to have that much uh, leeway to get away with that because of the way those those scenes are built. And, and then I guess, in, yeah, in indie scenes, like even in indie scenes, like Street Fighter or whatever, like that one's being more controlled. In Smash, I think you could say whatever the fuck you want, actually, to a certain extent. But yeah, like that's kind of... It's, it's just a weird phenomenon, I guess. It's just... like I, I guess in this case, esports follows life in that nobody and that it's getting harder and harder to like be honest to, to that level to that degree and to like because i don't know i guess offense culture is just too much for people and like and you're risking more and more each day i guess so no it's just not a risk most people should be willing to take well that's true unfortunately so um which is especially in something like esports that's always been so so niche and so edgy yeah. in its way that we're losing all of that because yeah, i mean if we, just, if we just look back like just maybe in like four to five years ago that's just so different you know yeah. but now you know and now it's sort of like been so established that everybody needs to show up in like their best suit and um i don't know like I, I and this is why this is why it's still so like and i think everybody in dota right now and maybe even more so in in in, in a lot of a lot of other esports titles you know they romanticize like too good for example um i think most people the the way they Duke remember got him, all the steals first i know of all. i know he, got, he, he got wasn't just steals. doing it for the in the game he was doing it in fucking china <laughs> yeah um and he even before even before that though he was always sort of like the guy that would always go against like he he never gave a fuck about anything yeah because he that, knew yeah. that his 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 appeal would outweigh anything that any sponsor might have against him Big, and even more so a lot of sponsors that did sponsor him knew full well what they were getting into because that's worth it yeah that, that's his that's simultaneously his greatest strength and greatest weakness didn't give a fuck either way well, I, right? I, I would actually argue... all, like like that. The, the reason it's his great weakness is because he also obviously didn't prepare a lot of the times. Yeah, he definitely didn't. <laughs> like, dude, like it just happens. He it just happens. He ha- happens to be really talented and can get get away with it. I'd so. actually argue his biggest weakness right now is uh, his his own game. I feel like he still he had... can't still can't get over that. Yeah, I feel like if he hadn't started developing that, though, I guess it's all. It, I mean. I guess for him it was always like you know a passion project yeah but it's just so unfortunate because he could still be like the best host or whatever whatever he wants not, to be not really. Dota well it's it's difficult uh, to compare him really to other hosts because his style is so vastly different no I mean the reason I think it's not Dota is because I think like Valve oh, is way Valve. more involved in Dota yeah, so Valve. I don't know like 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 you, you know you know that joke I, you know that joke the only time I think he could have done it was when ESL was like going was if ESL wanted to go full revenge mode, and what I mean by that is like uh, when Valve was kind of like fucking over some of the ESL events and like the whole Facebook stream thing. Like right. I think, I think if, I think the only, I think if uh, ESL wanted to throw the gauntlet down, they should have hired Too Good as their uh, host at that point. But that since they didn't hilarious. do it then, I don't think they'll do it now. That would been hilarious, but yeah, non. Um, they they are trying very hard right now to get a major next season. ESL. Um, yeah, because they didn't get one this season, did they? Um, uh, no, they didn't. I don't think they did. So they've and been trying, they've been I, trying really I think hard. Bur- I think Birmingham is probably one of the best uh, Dota 2 events outside of TI. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a little bit unfortunate that in, in Dota, it's really difficult to get teams to attend the non-major events. Mm-hmm. Um, 
You have to pay them as far as I know yeah. or some shit. Well, I guess you have to incentivize them. Um, yeah. There've been, you know, there've been ideas thrown around from like business class flights and all that shit to make them sure that they really want to come. Um, and this is, I mean, I guess this is another topic we could spend hours on, but this is something that I really dislike about the Dota, the Dota Pro Circuit. Uh, and where I look with a little bit of envy towards the CS side, because yeah, you have the major system, and don't get me wrong, the CS major system has a lot of things that I would like to fix because it's like, first of all, Legends is already something I would like to okay. see fixed. Like I think it's really really obvious fix. You just take the DPC system from last year and put it in, and you're done. Yeah, probably actually. That's a like good that's, point. Li- like that's literally all you need to do because like the CS system like won't have any of the problems the Dota two system had because it's not like it's bringing from nothing. Like it's all it's fairly established which ones are the good ones or which ones are the bad ones. So it's like it's so obvious, but they won't do it. Yeah, um, but you know this and. That's the funny thing, though, that like the the CS and the Dota team, they're so stubborn. Like, there's been so many rumors and like so many people commenting every every now and then. Like, apparently, the teams are at odds with each other, and like constantly competing, constantly competing who makes more money for the company, effectively. And that's why it, it took Dota so long to adopt the major format because it would base it was basically admitting that having majors was something they, that. Oh my God! They yeah. had a good idea. Fuck those guys. That's yeah. literally what I think happening <laughs> it, yeah that happens all the time that's why you know a lot of times when something good happens in cs like the overwatch system for example something that is so simple but so effective where you, where you let the community basically be the judge of you know things mm-hmm. uh, this is something that dota is that a lot of people want in dota but dota just won't implement it well i mean the problem with, Do- with implementing a dota is like part of me thinks the entire dota 2 community will turn on techies players well that's also true that's also very like, true. Like that, that, that was the first thing I thought of. Where it's like, oh, I can pick, play, I can pick players I can avoid. And the first thing I thought of was like, will a techie player ever play a game again? I don't know. That's also very true. Well, the, the Dota community is fucked up in that way. You're bad. You racist against specific heroes. Rest in peace, uh, techies. And um, was which uh, which other ones have you guys hated over the years? Ho ho ha ha. Were, were you were you like did you follow the scene when when Tekis came out or before he came out? Did you um, like... in Dota EX? Uh, no no. In just... Dota All Stars, I mean. No, in Dota two, Dota two. So he came out in like two. 2000... Yeah yeah, I was there. I was there. I was around for that period. I think he I think he was voted in two thousand thirteen, I believe. Uh, I was actually shocked because like I I played a lot of Techies when I in, when I was playing Dota All Stars. Right. I cut so like. I understood like this isn't a Dota hero in the normal sense. Like it fundamentally alters the entire game. Like so, I'm so I was shocked that somebody would have wanted to vote this character in. So I think a lot of people romanticized the hero, myself included. Uh, there's actually still a comment of mine up on Reddit, which was it's, it's one of my most upvoted comments. It says, "Oh, Dota, uh, wait, we can vote in a new hero." Let the yeah, well, uh, Techies, here we come. Um, yeah. And I did vote for Techies, and uh, can't believe, I can't believe nobody remembered what it was like playing against Techies. <laughs> I, yeah, no, like I it's, it's actually fun playing being Techies. I'll be honest; that's why I played it. But it's like same on the other side, it kind of sucks. And that's the thing. I, at that point, so many people just forgot about that hero. But they only, I think, they only remember the good side of things, like playing the hero. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, playing the hero in Dota Two never felt as good as it did in Dota One. Yeah, it's because. Players Actually, were just so yeah. much better in Dota 2. Yeah, I think the fu- like he- here's the problem is like in Dota 1, nobody had any kind of concept of any kind of basic idea of how you're supposed to play the, ga- the yep. team game. Yeah. Like you could actually carry games as a carry player by buying the wards. And like in in Dota 1 at least cuz like the funny thing was like it didn't really matter what items you got as much as it mattered like the vision just cuz nobody because like the because nobody ever cleared vision in that game. Yeah, no, hundred percent. People wouldn't buy couriers. People were just like playing their own game, really, and not even working yeah. as a team as much. So it was so much easier to abuse the game in like very simple ways. Yeah, Techies is actually like a god. If it was actually a god back then, but it's like not that good now. And I think this is why people romanticize the hero so much because they remember the good things about him. I certainly did. Mm-hmm. But it didn't, doesn't obviously work in Dota anymore, where it's so much more competitive. Um, I think Dota two, and I mean, I guess this really goes for every game. Now that we're so exposed to like the esports side of things, or like the professional gamers, 
um and i mean just in general you know there's a streamers there's video mm -hmm. content it's so much com more competitive because now everybody knows everything or yeah. can't have access to everything because back then i didn't even know like the benefits of wars nobody nobody even fucking knew there were strategy guys strategy guides like you can actually like pick up a strategy guide and win like 30 games in a row yeah off of one hero back then and now there's like guides built into the game yeah all the times have changed um have you and this is something that i've actually i meant to ask you actually at the very beginning but have you have you played any of like the auto chess games no, I haven't played any of the auto chess games. Um, I I probably should at some point. Like everybody, the way everybody talks about it, it sounds like it's way better than every other card game ever invented. Or I'm not even sure if it's supposed to be a card game or whatnot. Well, it's basically a card game because you basically built your own deck, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it's like a deck builder essentially. Um, did you did you play Hearthstone? I played some of it. Yeah. Did you play like Artifact? It, I played some of that too. Like oh. those, they're all right. Like. That's about it. I think I think what's really addictive about the about these games, about the auto chess games, is the fact that it's like a new blank slate every game. It's not like something mm -hmm. that you need to like build on. Like you don't have to like you know buy anything or prepare anything to go into a game. It's just very new, and everybody starts at that same blank slate. So it's it's in that sense, it's a very similar feeling to Dota. Like everybody mm -hmm. starts at the same level. Um, yeah. But yeah, you should give it a try. I think it's a lot of fun, and it's I mean. It might just be the next battle royale. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, I, the thing, thing about auto chess is like, it kind of just makes me sad, because like, it just, it's just a constant reminder of how everybody fucked up the mod scene, for, for Ooh, multiplayer games. That's a very good point. Valve, you fucked up. Blizzard, you fucked up. Like, what is going on? You know, it's funny though because Valve now had the golden opportunity to unfuck their own mod scene. By just making sure that the arcade system works so perfectly well that everybody's going to keep on playing Dota Auto Chess. But yeah, they, won't. they no made way. their own client instead. And now Dota Auto Chess, despite being fundamentally the best game, I stand by that, Dota Auto Chess is the best Auto Chess game. It has the worst like uh, user experience because, oh, guess what? There's no functioning queue system. Guess what? The servers die every two minutes. Oh. Um, well, now it's literally competing against a Valve game. Like yep. they won't ever fix it ever. So it's really sad. Um, and mm -hmm. and you'd think that Valve of all people would recognize how powerful the mod scene is or can be, having two titles no, that think... literally spawned off of a mod. Yeah, I, th I think it's just straight up spite. Like you know how like the CS:GO Dota two team won't like won't tip. Here's the funny thing about both of them. I think they're actually both be some of the better esports communities. But both of them could be so much greater if they just copied each other sometimes. But they won't do it, obviously. So, and so isolated. Um, yeah, like they just pretend the other guy doesn't exist. If they do something, it's like it's like um, it's like a black mark against it. It's like a scarlet letter. We will never have the DPC system in CS:GO. <laughs> oh, congratulations! You just fucked us all, didn't you? But um, like the problem with the problem with like uh, with the whole mod thing is like I don't think. Like I don't think Blizzard will ever, will ever go down for it because Dota left them and then it became fucking massive, in like three or four different games, right? Like, even even like Heroes of New Worth is technically bigger than uh, Heroes of the Storm. Obviously, you have League of Legends, you have Dota, and then part of them will think, part of them in the mind will think we will never let that happen again, and thus we will screw over the entire mod scene. And then in, in Valve's case, like I think part of them is still pissed off that Counter Strike is like bigger than its original. Half-Life. Right? So it's like, that's kind of another thing. And they're not going to let that go either. So yeah, maybe. Here we are. Here we are. Um, now that you mentioned Blizzard, I'm kind of wondering if they would ever consider doing their own auto chess now. Of course. Oh. They they love copying the competition. <laughs> but then making an inferior product? Yeah. Actually, I shouldn't say that considering Overwatch is bigger than Team Fortress 2. Yeah, but everybody who's played both tells me Team Fortress 2 is better. Same. So. I've heard that too. I've heard that too. See, and this is something that I've always, I'm always curious about. Like, how long is this, like, Blizzard loyalty going to last? Like, this whole, like, oh, whenever Blizzard pumps well, something out. Just, like, we're just gonna... go look at Star Wars fans and you have your answer. Oh, oh just loot, loot boxes? Is that is that it? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, man. Look, like, you know how many bad movies Star Wars has come out with and they're, like, just, and their fans are just, like, completely fine with it? I mean, the last... No, not fine. Look, like, like, all right. they'll stick to it. Your opinion on 
The Last Jedi and a new uh, New Force Awakens. I haven't watched either of them because like, I kind of <laughs> gave up on Star Wars a long time ago. Oh, that's so I guess it's not fair for me to say it's like terrible because I haven't watched them, them to truly judge. That's unfortunate. But I'm gonna go ahead and guess they're terrible. terrible. They're both terrible. New Force Awakens is literally a new hope. Uh, Force Awakens is literally a new hope. That's why I keep saying a new Force Awakens because it's literally mm-hmm. a new hope. And the Last Jedi is just. I don't know. It's all over the place. It's try- like it feels like both movies are trying to be so much that they're not. And like they're, they're, I don't know. They're, they're trying so many things that well, I don't know. It's it's like a whole again. This I could spend a whole. I'm not. I'm, and I'm not that even that passionate of a Star Wars fan. Like I'm not even that big of a fan of the of Star Wars trilogy, the original one. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. even hate. I don't even necessarily hate the prequels. Yeah, but I, sh- I am actually very furious about what they did with uh, Force Awakens and the Last Jedi, mostly because I was just hyped to see, have a new franchise. Uh, but instead, yeah. we're stuck with the MCU. Yeah, well, I say stuck. Right. I, I'm 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 a big fan of the MCU, but it just feels like where where, where are the uh, where are other good movies outside of the MCU? You know, I don't think they exist. Well, some of them, but it's just yeah. like if you're talking about like a franchise that big, like yeah. I don't think they exist, right? Like I don't. Yeah, I guess Harry Potter was the last successful franchise outside of the MCU. I guess the Fast and the Furious, that entire thing. True. That's pretty. That one's kind of ridiculous. True. That, that, that one that. has that one has allowed itself to be so ridiculous. That I like. I can't even be like that angry about how about its ridiculousness. <laughs> I, I can't even be that same. angry. It's like you're 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 like well, yeah, you're dumb. But at least you went like ten. At least you went you went the full gauge. You went like twelve out of ten dumb. So it was like I, and, I just kind of respect it. And they don't even want to necessarily be taken seriously either, right? They realize yeah. that they are dumb. So like, yeah, now so, they're like, I kind of respect it in a sense. <laughs> suddenly they're gonna be in, like in the jungle or whatever and i don't know dude and yeah. for some i always thought it was so i've never watched a single well i've watched enough to i think is properly assessed that it's a dumb series yeah it's pretty but, dumb uh it's it, it feels like it, they're trying to outdumb each other every time they do another one yeah it's, yeah it's like it's just it's just fun dumb careless entertainment it's like yeah whatever <sighs> oh well uh, before we head this off, um, mm-hmm. since since I brought it up, MCU power ranking. Did you watch all the MCU movies? I watched most of them. Right. Um, give, give me a top three. Top three. You watched Endgame, right? Yeah, I watched Endgame. All right, cool. Um, let's see. I probably pick. Um, is this in order or not in order? Well, you can. You doesn't doesn't have to be in order. Uh, all right, probably pick Gar- Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Civil War. Obviously, Iron Man one and Guardians of the Galaxy, Galaxy one, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Civil War. So, all right. I, all right. Yeah, I think those are the those are the probably the three best. Solid choice. Solid opinion. choice. Yep. Solid choice. I also agree with on Iron Man. I haven't yeah. made my own top three yet, but I agree with Iron Man because. Yeah, I feel like I I feel like Iron Man was probably the best of all of them still. To it's be honest, the, like it's one of my favorite origin movies in general. Yeah, origin mm-hmm. stories. Because like, I think origin. Here's the thing: like I think origin cho- stories in general are just really bad. Oof. That one happened to be really good, so there you See, go. And this is something that I think get, also gets romanticized in the MCU a lot. Like they actually have a lot of bad origin stories. Thor was bad. Hulk was bad. I mean, Hulk was so bad they changed the actor. Um, yeah. Doctor Strange, in my opinion, was actually really bad. I I just think they had really great c- CGI, but I think mm-hmm. on the story level, that was a really bad story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Captain America was whatever. It was just yeah. not forgettable. It's just average. Yeah. But yeah, no Guardians of the Galaxy. Also, I don't know something about Chris Pratt makes me makes me laugh. They have good yeah. soundtrack too. Yeah, it was a good comedy. Yeah. The other one I might have thrown in there was like Thor, maybe Thor two. Or was it Thor 3? forget which one. Ragnarok? Yeah, Ragnarok. That's the third one, yeah. Yeah. That one was hilarious, too. I am so much looking forward to another Thor movie with uh, Taika Waititi. Taika? Yeah, I'm, I'm, happy he's the, I'm happy he's the one vendor that's technically survived. Because he's the funniest of them. Well, ta- well, well, there's another one. There's three that survived, technically. Well, four, I oh, guess, yeah. if you count. Well, obviously, Captain, Captain America technically survived, too. But I guess he's not going to be in another movie. He's not going to be in another one. So we have Hawkeye and Hulk. Hulk might just not be really f- a fighter anymore because his arm kind of burned off. But 
like the problem with Hulk, I guess, is like his his inherent like dramatic problem is like he's not supposed to ever actually reconcile his two sides, but he already did that. So like, true. there's no point in ever putting him in a movie. That's true. Plus, he's also way too strong. That's why they keep nerfing him in every movie. Like yeah, the last he, fight scene he has, he was in, he was beaten, and that's basically it. Yeah, it's a terrible way to go for him too. But uh, what can you say? Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, looking forward to the next one though. Spider Man coming out. You a big Spider Man mm-hmm. fan? Not big, but like there 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 have been some good comics in his day. Not bad. One of the things I'm really jealous about, by the way, about Americans, they had super superhero comics. We never had them in Germany, so you know a lot of these things I never knew until I uh, watched all those movies. Oh yeah, well they're uh, they're hit and miss, like just like every other medium. Oh yeah, for sure. I've 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 tried to catch up on some comics, and it's just yeah, not my, my not my thing anyway. Maybe mm-hmm. well, maybe I just grabbed the wrong, wrong one. I think I read the Spider Man comic, but yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Steven, it was a lot of fun talking to you. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you for joining me. And, uh, I mean, for anybody that's curious where to find you, I mean, uh, links will be in the description. And we'll probably be on another podcast in, like, about a week or so. So yeah. we'll probably talking talk again soon. You failed against <sighs> Gambit. That you was, failed. That was... Uh, it's so it's so tough for, like, E-Home too. Because they like so many things needed to happen for Ehome to lose their spot, and it's almost about to happen. Like I think yeah, Gambit, there's no they, way Ehome. I think Ehome is not going to Ti. Yeah, well, at least not directly. Um, yeah. All right. Cool. Thanks. Uh, thanks again. Yeah, and we'll see each other in the next podcast. Yep.